Superfly living double wide, side Cora glides so Joe C can ride. Full sack to sure, bringing flash and fleur. Got the long hair swinging middle finger in the air. Snakeskin suits, 65 Chevelle. See me riding sin, hear the rebel yell. I won't live to tell, so if you do, give the next generation a big fuck you. You already know who it is, Punkadella Files. Pillow Smith, Curvaceous D, Mosh Spice, the Albert Basin, David Jason. Let's get Punkadella. So, I was just thinking there the other day, like, maybe a bunch of people haven't heard every single podcast I've ever made, and as shocking as though that actually is, um, it is true, and just in case you were wondering where, like, punkadelic is uh, a word that I made up, yes, uh, it is a portmanteau, which is not a word I made up, that's a real word, um, which means it's made up of two other words, so what I did was I took the word punk, and then I took the band Funkadelic, who are most famous, of course, for putting together Maggot Brain to be discussed at length in a future episode of this podcast. So I just smashed those two words together and then uh, I just like the sound of the two P's. So uh, Punkadelic Podcast, there you go, in case you didn't know where that was from. And then uh, as well as that, uh, the intro, the intro to this show. So that is an old intro that I had for, I can't remember which iteration of one of my radio shows either way had that as its intro, that might have been my ill-fated earlier attempt to start a podcast, which one was about cooking, it was a bit like, is this really the medium for talking about cooking? Audio. So anyway, who the fuck knows, it is what it is, so it's a whole just, it like it's completely the reason that this podcast is not on Apple Podcasts, which is probably shooting myself in the foot so much, but like, I'm comfortable with the growth of this podcast, like about... I'd say every episode gets about 17 listens on average. There's a couple that are dragging the average up. There's one that has like 60 and there's a couple that are in around the 30 mark. But either way, I'm comfortable with the growth of the fucking shit. Yeah, so the intro, so fuck being on Apple Podcasts. Although I have also had the thought, I don't know, like I just do not know whether or not this is the right thing to do or not. But like once we get to a thousand plays, kill this iteration of the podcast and start it up from scratch with it submitted to Apple Podcasts so we can actually grow out that way. Like Apple Podcasts accounts for, like I don't know off the top of my head, but I believe it's significantly more than 50% of the podcast listening market worldwide. But like my point, my counterpoint is like Spotify is free. Like if you just have Spotify to listen to my podcast, it's free. So what's the fucking issue really? But yeah, so what makes up our intro then is, uh, so the, the sound of the car noises is this from the start of Queens of Stone Age songs for the Deaf album. Um, there is the very, I think the very, very first thing you hear is the start of uh, Ghostbusters Proton Pack warming up. And then there is also the noise from a flux capacitor from Back to the Future. Then the 
choral, the choir sample is from the start of Bring Me the Horizons, uh, Shadow Moses. The countdown is obviously from the Thunderbirds TV show. The riff is Metallica's Sad But True, which you will also know as uh, the song that they basically loaned out to Kid Rock to rap American Badass over. You see, there's levels to my game always. The semantics are never just on one level with this show. And then the explosion at the end is the second, the second Death Star blowing up. So Return of the Jedi, Not A New Hope which was always my favourite Star Wars movie as a kid. Might still be, but like once you get to a certain age, you're like, fuck, there's a lot of puppets in Return of the Jedi. Like, There's a lot of fucking fannying around. But Luke does have a green lightsaber in it, which was always my point. So, don't know which argument really wins the day on that one. So, uh, yeah, welcome to the show. Thought we would go back over some of the basics there about punkadelic podcast i think i really need to stop and do like uh like a 15 minute or and call it like guide the punkadelic podcast or like punkadelic podcast start here because like every week i see people listening to the first episode of this show like go and listen to last week's episode of the show and then go back and listen to the first episode and you will just be like what the fuck is going on are these this is this the same person like what fucking gear did he get on in around episode six but it's not a question of that it's just a question of bringing better ideas to the table through the fucking system as i was saying last week like just constantly just doing the work making notes like i'm nervous about this one this week i don't think i have super strong notes to go over much crack but we are going to get to tonight's main issue is uh, a review of the while she sleeps album which is incredible blockbuster alt metal arena stuff these guys are common for they're gunning for other bands in the scene it seems like so that is going to be good crack. There's a certain amount of sauce to get to. There's a certain amount of sauce to get to. Also, um, there's some punkadelic science. Uh, you know, previously we've talked about giving octopi molly and how T Rexes may have hunted in packs like wolves. And we've got something else along the same lines coming up tonight. Yeah, that's it. Let's crack on. So one of the first things I wanted to talk to you about this week was like there is just simply not a fucking mission. You would ever, right, I don't know if you all saw this, but photos last weekend or during the week, whenever it was, of Conor McGregor's fucking son's fourth birthday party. And it was an all-out, absolute fucking guns blazing assault on the senses affair. Captain America and everybody running around. And I was just like, there is not a fucking mission you would ever get me fucking dressing up and playing a fucking character mascot at a McGregor son birthday party like that is all fucking well and good until he's had a couple of fucking proper twelves and next thing you're in a fucking headlock dressed like Captain America being asked who is boxing. Oh, I'm sorry Mr. McGregor you are. Oh. Call me the champ champ. Oh, whatever you say. So I was just like look at all those people like that seems like a risky fucking gig. Hope everybody enjoyed the show last week. That was a bit of a change of pace for us. Um, I'll definitely do more fucking like structured storytelling stuff like that if not always if not always exclusively like people go missing like there might be other things that we need to talk about um, that have recently had one idea for one we might put into action sooner rather than later we don't want to give the game away soon now and you all go and look up the Wikipedia page which is essentially what I'm gonna read to you so fucking I don't need that in my life but um some people enjoyed it and then some people say that they don't really 
do that sort of thing. So it wasn't really their bag. And that's cool. It's like, you know, every fucking, every week with this podcast is a shot in the dark for who it might speak to and who it might not speak to. And the fact that, you know, the opening of it is just designed to ping around all different bits and pieces that I, you know, basically this is just all stuff that I should just tweet, but for whatever reason have to turn it into a fucking completely narcissistic vanity project. But like, look, I, I am who I am. What do you want me to do? Apologize for it. Fuck, suck me off. So, need to find some other fucking stories like that or just that have equal levels of intrigue. I just worry that without, like, without the accompanying photo album, it might not have the same wallop. Uh, because, like, just seeing those photos and, like, knowing all the details, it was just horrific. Like, should we speculate wildly here now? I mean, if you didn't hear it, Go back and hear it. Last week's podcast, Dutch Much, told the story of the disappearance of two hikers from Panama and just the levels after levels of intrigue and fucking macabre, macabre, how do you say that word? Macabre fucking details of the shit that was found in on their digital camera and phone. So... I don't even know like where to start with if we do if if we do want to speculate widely even because like <clears throat> the two mystery men at breakfast that morning who were never identified like I don't know if I should have made a bigger deal of that like but that seems fucking very very dodgy indeed then there's just like it sort of feels like there must have been a third party taking the pictures or something or involved and that's why there's the gap of like seven days between them going hiking and all those pictures being taken in the middle of the night like maybe they were abducted captured stuck somewhere got away used the camera for light and they were captured again but then the problem is there's not really a whole pile of evidence to suggest that and then there is all the evidence in the world really suggests that there were two white girls that went out into the jungle and got lost. But then there's one of their pelvis bones was found with absolutely no marks on it. So if it's been chewed up and the meat and all has been hacked off it by wild cougars or whatever. Or maybe they don't have fucking cougars down there. Maybe it's a, a lynx or a leopard, a fucking cougar that's up its own arse. Surely then there would have been fucking tooth marks all over that. It's just a fucking weird one like... I don't know, I felt weird telling it in some ways as well. So it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is somebody's absolute tragedy. But like, uh, you know, those cunts at fucking cereal can fucking do whatever they want then. So can fucking I. Me more so than them, I would say. And that story's out there. I put the link in the episode bio last week. So you can go and look at like all of the photos. So not just the eight that we put on our Instagram, at Punkadelic Podcast. And you know, like, don't even worry about following that Instagram. Like, I didn't get into this fucking game to have a burner Instagram account. I will just put up that there's a new episode out. And every so often something else that I've photoshopped the logo into just to just on the idea that like just repeating the fucking brand over and over and over might make people seem might make people that don't know about it think that it's a bigger deal than it is. We'll get about 17 listeners. Don't even stress it like. So but look, we're closing in on 500 players up here. So I said I'd do a live episode. So they've tested out the rig, tested out the setup. It works. <clears throat> Have to get it going on my old computer, which is dodgy as, but believe we can make it work and I can record at the same time. Um I've got a Okay, actually we'll we'll get to this. We'll talk about this in a minute. So just wanted to also fucking shout out if he's here now. Um if he's didn't hear, get hearing the there's a crazy episode of Joe Rogan. I think it might have just come out yesterday. Um, be two days ago by the time you hear this. David Holthouse. 
and he is an investigative journalist and he's investigating these fucking horrific murders these murder mutilations um a triple homicide that was committed in the early 90s in encino county california is that what he called it i don't know i was kind of half asleep at the same time but like this had more than enough details to get me fucking a little bit wider awake so he's hanging out up there and it's like it would it's like it that it would be prime fucking boonies meth fucking cooking country but the conditions are absolutely perfect for growing weed so it's like where all of the illegal weed in the united states is grown and just shipped out from so but they're all just like inbred hillbillies up there fucking on crystal meth so they can just fucking farm all night making deals with people from the city fucking putting up gates to confuse the cops coming around and so that search warrants can't get executed and properly and just being devious fuckers and like laughing off murders and all but then this guy like he takes the interview into like two or three other cases that he previously worked on including the case of him confronting his childhood sexual abuser and it's oh my god it is harrowing fucking stuff but uh he's very very well spoken and it's just like a good episode and uh wanted to recommend that one also the day before that there was like a dude on called like christopher mellon or something and i was enjoying that but i fell asleep to it last night and and so i need to get go back and revise the end of it but he's like some sort of government bigwig who's super interested in ufos so he's able to give joe some of the inside track on some things but like doesn't didn't seem to be given anything given the whole farm away certainly by what i heard but um don't let that color the whole thing and fair warning this guy's voice will bore the fuck out of you like you know he is not punkadalic whatsoever so david holthouse though that's a cracker get that one listen to it uh, packs a punch um all right you ready for a little bit of punkadalic science let's get this link opened up what have we got here now Scientists claim to spot fungus growing on Mars in NASA rover photos. Quote, fungi thrive in radiation-intense environments. Bingo. Let's go fucking space shrooms. Update. Okay, so there's an update before we read this out, okay? I think this is going to be a fair enough point. Many in the scientific community have spoken out to say that they're unimpressed with this paper, as we predicted, Here's our story on their reactions. Fuck that. Let's live in the fucking world of possibilities here for a while, punkadelophiles. This is a podcast about the things that make life worth living, and that's not debunking cool scientific theories, okay? Shut the fuck up, science. The hunt for life on Mars continues, with NASA's latest rover Perseverance using its scientific instrumentation to scan... could have just said instruments. Always bothers me, like, it's scientific instruments. To scan the Jezero crater, an area believed to be a dried-up ancient lake for any signs of ancient microbial life. But according to an international team of researchers, the space agency's other rovers may have already found signs of relatively advanced life in the form of fungus-like Martian specimens, according to a new paper published in the journal Advances in Microbiology. The team, which includes researchers from blah 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 blah, believe they have found photographic evidence of a variety of fungus-like organisms, some resembling the shape of puffballs, a rough cloud-like fungus found in abundance back here on Earth, on the Red Planet. Okay, so cool. Their evidence, images taken by NASA's Opportunity and Curiosity rovers as well as the agency's high-rise, high-resolution camera attached to the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter. Fungi thrive in radiation-intense environments, the team writes in its paper. 
Sequential photos document that fungus-like Martian specimens emerge from the soil and increase in size, including those resembling puffballs. After obliteration of spherical specimens by the rover whales, new sphericals, some with stalks, appeared atop the crests of old tracts, the researchers write. Hmm, okay. The team went so far as to say that black fungi bacteria-like specimens also appeared atop the rovers. They didn't stop there. The team also examined photos taken by NASA's high-rise and found evidence for amorphous specimens within a crevice that changed shape and location, then disappeared. It is well established that a variety of terrestrial organisms survive Mars-like conditions, the team concludes. Given the likelihood Earth has been seeding Mars with life and life has been repeatedly transferred between worlds, it would be surprising if there was no life on Mars. Fucking hell, that is... I mean, that's going pretty far, right? The team argues that these Martian life forms would have evolved on and already be adapted to the low temperatures, intermittent availability of water, low amounts of free oxygen and high levels of radiation. The researchers did caveat their findings pointing out that similarities in morphology are not proof of life and that we cannot completely rule out minerals, weathering and unknown geological forces that are unique to Mars and unknown and alien to Earth. But it's a wild conclusion nonetheless, yeah I'll fucking say the researchers' peers will likely go over the paper with a fine-toothed comb and likely shred the results. It's not every day that researchers are willing to stick out their necks and claim they have found evidence of life on Mars. Yeah, you fucking said it. So this article is on futurism.com. If you want to go get that, um, I will not be reading out anything that disputes that. We are going to, as I say, we are just going to live in a world where mushrooms are freely growing on Mars. Oh, fuck. The implications of that would just be mental because, like, what if it's not just a couple of fruit and like the fruit mushrooms are just the fruit of the, the mycelial network so if it's just a few fruits then you know whatever that's not so great but like if there's a full-on mycelial network in mars what if there's one in every planet and what if we're just a fucking virus on this fucking mushroom heavens fucking backyard then these are things that could and should keep you up at night i don't know anyway that's a fucking grim end to another fantastic edition of Punkadelic Science. Who knows what we'll be talking about next. What have we talked about so far? Nuclear weapons, dinosaurs, octopi being given drugs, mushrooms growing on Mars. Yeah, fuck knows what next. How fucking sunlight can get you off your tits. <laughs> um, wanted to let you guys know also that I finished Batman Last Night on Earth. Kind of a strange read. Ultimately, a very nice way for Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo to say goodbye to Batman having been in charge of that character since 2011. Um, some really, really, really cool character designs in here. Um, <clears throat> Scarecrow and Bane were out of control. The art was great. The intro, if you go back a couple of weeks, you'll find um, I basically gave the setup to the entire story. And it, it did start really, really good. And kind of descended into one of the, the sort of traps that DC are just going back to this trope over and over is that the only challenge for Batman to defeat is like an alternate universe version of Batman. So we get that again, uh, kind of, but it's still pretty awesome. It's like almost DC metal level destruction. You know, the Earth is completely fucking torn apart and obviously he fucking solves it and there's just some real nice parts at the end and... Uh, there's some definitely some some deep deep metaphor stuff going on with like Alfred saying goodbye to Batman's kind of like them explicitly saying goodbye to the character that they love and all and so 
it's just interesting if you've been tracking their career to get in and, and read the last one and I think maybe Bane and Scarecrow were as were maybe just the two villains that they just never got around to doing otherwise because I know that the, for a fact that they completely retooled the Joker they were the ones that cut his face off and put him in overalls um, they're pretty sure they redid the Riddler and Two-Face they introduced the Court of the Owls either way Batman Last Night on Earth is a cool one you should Get that and read that if you're in the comics. I was re-listening to one of my favourite bands the other night. And it's just like... It's... Like, hearing Puddle of Mud, She Hates Me was like... The start of a long descent into absolute oral madness for me. Now fucking listening to all fucking manner of death metal. But it's been so sad, like anytime you ever hear Talithan these days it's just that he is completely messed up again he's back on I don't know what it drugs even does like crystal or fucking who knows it's just or maybe he's just like an absolute steam lord but either way it's always tragic and it's like there's loads of people like mocking it and being like look how bad this is and all look at the state of him and it's like yo this man quite clearly needs mental help okay please like can someone not just get him that like but even coming at this for like I'm a fan obviously and it's like you know it was Nirvana Light their first album is just Nirvana Light with a little bit of extra guitars and a few more effects pedals his voice is like a fucking it's like a tribute band Kurt Cobain and look I can be honest about it but it doesn't mean that the songwriting wasn't effective and the whole thing was produced I believe the producer is Fred Durst so everything sounds fucking pristine because he had nothing but fucking money at that stage to throw at them and you know trying to be a producer and a record label mogul it's just super sad that all we ever see nowadays is like shit the shitty lineups that are not the guys that were in the band not that like didn't weren't they a band and then as soon as they got signed and fred durst signed on all three of the band quit and he had to get just new guys so i don't know maybe he's a piece of shit but like there has to be something we can do here because as I was going to say, even coming from like a cynical angle, like surely there's a few bucks to be made here as well. So think about it. We take fucking Wes Scantlin from Puddle of Mud and we get three shit hot musicians, okay? Maybe if we can hire out, like ideally what I would want is if we can, right, so if I had all the money in the world to throw at this, okay? You know, this is where we live on this podcast, okay? In this fucking hypothetical world where, like, I have any money. I have all the money, much less any money. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going <laughs> to, we're going to, right, so it's going to be like old school. We're going to have a brown van and we're going to be listening to Master of Puppets, okay? And we're going to be cruising down West Scantling Street and we're going to wait till he fucking comes out the front door and we're going to grab the fucker and we're going to put him in the fucking van and then we're going to lock him in a fucking rehab for like three months and we're going to be there watching making sure he's not getting out not doing shit not phoning anybody like because fuck him we mustn't have any loved ones if they're fucking letting him get on with shit like this like so whatever you know we can just step into that fucking void but no phone calls no fucking nothing no tv no newspapers definitely no crack no heroin none of that fucking madness no shite in their strict regimen fucking meditation yoga a little bit of aromatherapy maybe and um, i don't even really know what that is but like it sounds like it probably fucking couldn't hurt and um we'll get this motherfucker clean clean as a fucking whistle then because we've got all the money in the fucking world what we're gonna do is we're gonna hire 
fucking Nickelback, okay? And this is who's going to fucking... Shut the fuck up, all right? I can hear fucking people laughing. I can literally hear you already. Shut the fuck up. I'm laying out my master plan here. So then we'll just get a fucking warehouse space in fucking... Not LA, but like California, more towards the Joshua Tree side of things. And we'll just be there for a month having fucking dry rehearsals. If he, if booze is his poison, then it's out, obviously. But in an ideal world, we'd be able to get him off whatever horror stuff. Um, all the lads would be able to have a few beers and be like, you know, more than a few ounces of weed lying around. Maybe if it, if it helped with a whole bunch of magic mushrooms and that could actually be key, right? So just get them having crack, talking about how the fucking music industry is a fucking cunt and you know, chewed up ways and spat them out time and time again and whatever else and get all this shit off her chest, a couple of big nights on a rip at the start, then get down to the serious business of fucking writing an album, getting it fucking sorted out, getting rehearsed and getting ways back in the guitar playing shape, then gigantic fucking show booked, like, I don't know, um, I don't know where, maybe Red Rocks, okay, just for ultimate dramatic effect, just out there something fucking different so completely like i don't know maybe fucking nickelback want to open the show because they put some because like half of them are already there maybe they don't want to do that i don't know i'm not even entirely sure who else would be the next best fucking post grunge fucking band that could slot in there probably none of them would want to do it anyway so maybe we just fucking have it at red rocks with like maybe like a classic classic heavy red curtain up never see anything going on and then once they're all all the lights are down or maybe this just has to be an indoor arena show to control the light because maybe red rocks during the summer you couldn't do this the curtains being lit from the front with lights so you can see like all the folds in it and all and you can see that's like super expensive fucking rich curtain and then when the curtain falls everything just is completely black no lights whatsoever, just completely dark as. And as you hear the very, very, very first notes of Psycho, there's a single spotlight comes down and illuminates ways. And then he comes in with those vocoder vocals. And it's only lit on him until the rest of the band breaks in. And then things start to kick off. Then, I don't have the set fully mapped out. But I believe then that the main set should end with control. And then for an encore, Wes should appear by himself with an acoustic guitar at a B stage at the end of a ramp. He should come up and do blurry by himself acoustic. Sitting down. Then he gets swapped over back to electric, standing up in a microphone. Everything's pitch black all over again. Single spotlight one more time. Hits the first chords of She Hates Me. And runs back up the fucking stage. So while he's running they're just sort of jamming the first riff. Dragging it out. And then when it fucking kicks in as he gets back up there. And they just get fucking started. And that's it. Two song encore. Blurry and She Hates Me. Pretty much the strongest fucking one-two punch you could pull from a band's fucking back catalogue nostalgia factor all over the show all the heavy tunes have been played already out of my head living on borrowed time famous all appear in the main set so 
everyone is going home happy. So I just don't know why if some fucking arsehole like me can come up with that, somebody that's an actual music promoter with the budget to possibly make something like that happen. I mean, getting Nickelback might be a bit crazy, but like, you know, if you want to bring post-grunge arena rock fucking back, who the fuck else do you really want to fucking phone? You got one phone call, who's going to be? You got to see if post-grunge, boom, Nickelback, let's go. And I don't know who could play guest guitar solos on that album, but like maybe Jerry Cantrell might, because he seems to be friends, very good friends with Nickelback. So that could just be an easy fucking phone call away. I'm not sure how he would feel about Puddle of Mud's music. Probably not fucking great, but maybe he's just a good enough guy not to be judgmental like that. So I just don't know. Love to see it someday, but like I'll I'll live in the real world too. It is highly unlikely. So that's what that's what I would ideally like to see as my first concert back after fucking COVID ends. Really, really, really hope that the darkness rebooked the Vogue in Vancouver because I was going to buy tickets the day after. The day after everything shut down was a Friday and that was payday. And I was going to get four different tickets, the darkness being the most notable. The Vogue, what a venue to see them in. Downtown Granville Street, literally in the middle of the city's best fucking drinking strip. So... Oh, it could have been fucking great times. Could have been great times. It might have been summer also, so... Oh, no, I think it was actually a November gig. But if it had been during summer, then it would have been pedestrian drinking zone, so that would have been even better. So hopefully it gets rebooked as that. Maybe this also gives me a chance to... Maybe I'll be able to get a ticket to the rebooked Tool show, if that is rebooked. Um, that The border being shut here is just fucking crippling anything cool coming up here, and... You know, far bit from me to fucking wish anyone's personal safety away, but like, just saying, we'd like to start going to concerts again. Can we even get some fucking local shit going on? I don't know. Like, there's not death metal bands from Vancouver. You know what I'm saying? Archspire from here. All their photos are down at Science World. <sighs> yeah, and so obviously the whole way through that puddle of mud fantasy, like, the crowd is going insane. Everybody fucking loves she hates me. It's a fucking anthem. Say what you will. You're wrong. It's an anthem. That is the objective truth of the situation. So, fuck it. So listen, I didn't get into the fucking podcasting game to have a fucking burner Instagram account or to be running around doing fucking all different types of social media and whatever else. Like, I've got the ability to do all these things. Like, it's literally what I do for a living when I do have a job. <clears throat> so it doesn't mean that I want to have a busman's holiday and take my work home with me. So I'll do what needs to be done in terms of a little bit of branding and getting the thing out there on Instagram. But otherwise, I don't give a fuck. Like, it's not going to have a Facebook page. It's not going to have a Twitter. I'm not going to be on Snapchat or TikTok. I'm not going to be fucking shaking my booty for you at any point whatsoever. However, I have set us up a Discord server. So... Yes, I know for probably a bunch of you, that's just like, uh, what, I have to get another app? And it's like, look, okay, if that's how you feel about it, that's absolutely fine. I am just telling you that I've set up a Discord server, which will be like, we've got, oh, let me just open it up here. So we have all our own, we have all our own chat rooms on different channels, on different subjects. And then what we have is two voice channels. And there are two of those and I can increase and add and take away and whatever it depends on people using or needing in the discord 
okay, so the text channels that I've got so far are The Crack, I think that's pretty self-explanatory, Mixed Martial Arts, Rock Music, Electronic Music, Movies, Books, Comics, Graphic Novels, Videos, so that's for people to send videos that they want me to react to on the podcast here, uh, memes, so the fucking, let's just, like, sure, horrendously offensive memes, let's fucking get after it, uh, Punkadelic Podcast, whatever feedback you have on the show, you can get directly to me through this channel, uh, other podcasts, if you want to talk about other podcasts, like Joe Rogan Experience, maybe I'll put the link to that good Joe Rogan in here, so we get it started, then there's a channel here for weed, um, but I guess that needs to be weed slash all drugs, because there's no point, so, so we'd see how we get on with those so far because those are sort of the main things we've been talking about this on this podcast or you know that i sort of want this podcast to be about so whatever um that's all happening and then with our two voice channels what we have is so the general one we can sometimes have a big giant free-for-all in there i think there's up to like 32 people screen sharing fucking all talking at once all madness and then there's also a live podcast channel where i can go live and I can share my screen, and I can do whatever else, and you guys can all see, and I think I can see you, but you guys can't be heard, so it doesn't bleed over into me recording it, so I can do live episodes of the podcast on there, so uh, we're coming up on 500 listens real, real sharp, like there, we're at 478, says we've got an estimated audience of 17, 22 unique listeners in the last seven days, and those are cracking stats for me like normally they're not quite that good so that's awesome thanks so much for listening i know i do this i get gay about this every single week but like um there's only so much of a podcast if it's just me so if you want to help me keep fucking building it up you got to go to the discord okay i know i'm sorry i'm asking these for one more fucking app um but you know we've all got phones with pretty big memory on it now plus also uh, maybe if you want to look at it this way if you wanted to reduce your other usage of social media such as Facebooks and Instagrams maybe getting involved in some cool Discord servers and more Reddit more like you know subculture based uh, social media uh, rather than just the dickheads that you know in, their, in your life spouting their political views that might be a good way to go about it that's sort of what I've been trying to do and now I sort of know how to navigate Reddit I would recommend it maybe you don't want to get that airy fairy about it but if you want to have the crack with the with me directly about this podcast anybody that fucking I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what i'll do i'll set up a fucking shout outs channel so anybody that writes in anything stupid i'll fucking read out but you got to go do that over on discord and um like i'll start like an event i don't know what the best way to get a hold of everybody is because like not everybody has facebook anymore so it's just not so simple but like i will be making sure via this Discord server that absolutely everybody knows when the live episodes are going to be happening. So I was thinking actually as well that what we're going to do for the first live episode is a watch along of one of the worst 90s sci-fi TV shows ever. It is proper horrendous and I'd love to fucking watch along that for as long as it is it's like 45 minutes and just give sarcastic commentary baked and have a couple of whiskeys over the course of that and then um you know, I can shut the recorder off after 45 minutes and, you know, like we're pretty much all friends here. Like, so we could just have jump in there and have a big free for all of crack. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a fucking idealist. Maybe that's not a good idea at all. Whatever. Maybe that's jumping the gun, but I don't know what else it would be good crack to do for you is at, um, when we get the 500 players and I want to do something to mark the occasion. So that's what's up. Shut the fuck up if you disagree. Um, so the Discord is where it's at. That is, like, there's not going to be any more social or any shit like that. If you want to be up on what's going on, this is where you got to come. Um, so 
the best way to do that is to contact me with your email address. I don't want your email address for anything untoward. I don't give a fuck. I just need that to send you the link for... So it'll send you the link to get the Discord app, get signed up to Discord, get into my server, and then that's you. And then you can just go in there and abuse me and call me fucking homosexual and do whatever it is you need to do. I am fucking ready for it, I think. So, whatever. But if you want to be around for the live episodes, that's where it's going to be happening. Yeah, that's that. Is that that? Let me see. Let me go back to my notes here. Oh, yeah. And so if you ever have questions for the podcast then or things that you want me to talk about, like if you have an idea or whatever, you can ask it in there or also that's you can fire me a direct message in there if you don't want it to be seen by anybody. That'll be I'll keep that anonymous. That's all fucking good. So shout outs and questions and episode ideas all through Discord, please. Uh, if you don't mind getting just one more app, um, you can also sign up to other Discord servers and have a good time in there as well. So, yeah, that's that. Lads, I don't even think we've really talked hardcore about fighting in a while. And, like, I was not watching UFC last weekend. I was like, that is absolutely a dog shit card. And who fucking cares? And, of course, then, uh, in the main event, there was an absolutely fucking insane knockout at light heavyweights. At light heavyweight. And, you know, I thought that that was going to be a boring five-round decision. But this was just absolutely out of control so um wanted to watch this fighter's highlights jerry prochaska i have no idea how to pronounce his name but knocked out dominic reyes with a spinning back elbow i believe it's the third spinning back elbow knockout in the ufc so although we do see that um although we do see that technique fairly frequently it's not all it doesn't always finish in a knockout so this was i think the third one of those in the ufc and it is sheer it was sheer brilliance but um, what I'm going to do now is we're going to take a look at his highlights here and just see what we've been missing out on because he really 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 snuck up on me I have no idea who he is where he comes from or who his old fella is so skipping ads one two three now so we're starting if you want to queue it up with me so here we have him fighting in a ring clapping hands with all his team this isn't rising okay so he comes from over there 27 wins, 24, 24 knockouts, one submission. Wow, so his finishing rate is out of control. Okay, now he's just got a guy in full mount and he's absolutely denting him. Fucking hell. Now he's attacking in a crazy submission from the bottom since the guy reversed it. That is not even wise. There we go. Uppercuts for fucking days. High kick. Hooks. Such a varied attack. Flying knee. Oh, flying knee followed with a savage uppercut. Flying knee knockout. What was this fighting organization? Jesus, these people were getting their money. People are right up on the cage for that last one. I'll put the link to this video in the episode bio so you guys can get it. This is awesome. There's another fucking rear naked choke. Wow, throwing combos. Wait, is he fighting Cam's out there? No, couldn't be because Cam's out doesn't have any losses. Oh, boy, tap the strikes there. Fucking hell, that's when you know you're an animal. Jesus Christ, he's fucking swinging at the hips there. Rock him, sock him, robots with this fella. Oh, looks like he's about to dispatch him now, though. 
Yeah, on top, following up, super necessary. I gotta go till the ref says stop. Just absolutely ended someone with a couple of punches there. Here we go now. Where's this? There's people sitting on fucking tables with tablecloths around it. This must be in Russia somewhere. Oh, there's somebody caught an answer to the bell for round two against him. Oh, uppercut's coming out of the clinch. Hooks, high kick, <laughs> fell on his arse. And he's still there with punches when the boy got back to his feet. And then finish following up with ground shots into the next round of that fight. Or later in that same fight, uppercuts. Jesus Christ, this man's technique is wild. How did he sneak up on me in the UFC? I heard he only had two fights in the UFC so far. Good God. Just doesn't believe in judges. Just doesn't do it. That's smart now that he's in the UFC. Okay, so here he's fighting the fucking short guy. Let's go. This guy's going to get his clocks cleaned. <laughs> oh. Boy blocked the tape. Oh! The boy trying to come overhand with a huge hand. Now he's on top of fucking Jerry. Jerry's just getting back to the feet slowly and methodically. Now he's broken back out free. How's he going to get this comp back for that? Bam. With the best placed fucking left hand you will ever see. Not even like a super heavy one as part of a combo. Bam. Oh, it might have been a right. So left and right swinging hooks. Uh, might have been the right that was the knockout. But the left certainly made sure he was staying down. Fuck me. Great tech. This is fucking class. This boy's my new favorite fighter. Kickboxing style, moving forward at all times, head movement. Probably not the type of footwork that's going to carry you to a belt in the UFC, but Jesus Christ, we can dream. Okay, so here's the top, the top knot. So this must be getting more recent. Maybe this is going chronologically. He's back in a cage now. So when you know you're making it as an MMA fighter when you get out of the ring. Jump on attack, caught there, escape well. Opponent shorted on him. He just, he's so long, he's fucking throwing hands here and bending at the hip, bending over at the hips, so this boy can't even touch him. And then he's coming over the top. Oh, and then he's throwing knees as well. Uppercuts and knees and fucking flying knees and. Jesus, he throws everything. The art of eight limbs. Wow. Then those punches are just like Mr. Fundamentals with those. This opponent doesn't want to go out though. Seems like a stupid idea. I'm going to have to take so much more. Yeah, that has to be it. Yeah, good night. Fusion. Hmm, never even heard of that organization. Oh, this boy's got a dumb floppy haircut. You know Jerry's top knot has more samurai power than this guy. <laughs> Instantly drops him. Finishing up on the ground. Hopefully the herb cushion some of those. Ref drags him off. Oh, ref cam. Love it. Nice one, Ryzen. Fuck me. There's some great footage with ref cam there. Okay, which of these boys is Jerry? No, okay, I get it now. 
Wow, so fighting through adversity knocks a boy out backing up. Okay, the boy didn't go out. Oh shit. Who is this guy? What is this fight? Oh, this is Ryzen again. This is against Bruno Capaloza. Oh fuck, that boy is unconscious as fuck. That was a really bad look. Oh, here's a poor American just getting to experience all this check power. Yeah, holy fuck. Boy better have healthcare. Yeah, ref waved that one off. So against Brown and Halsey. Oh, he's just dominating this poor American fuck right now. This could be a real naked choke, isn't it? No, he'll get out and then he'll just fucking bother him. Here we go. Now the boy's lying on the ground. Jerry's just doing what he wants from the top. Oh, homeboy's getting away. No. Side control. About to take his back now. This is fast. Oh, knocked him out with punches from the top. Probably a bunch of people be yapping about punches to the back of the head there, but I didn't see. Oh, here he's fighting King Mo. Fucking hell. King Mo and Rising. Round three. Both boys look punch drunk as fuck. Oh, Mo's absolutely done. The slowest takedown attempt I've ever seen in my absolute life there. That was brutal. And Jerry's just fucking finishing it with punches again. Maybe he doesn't always knock people out, but like just gets to the third round and it's just like still has fucking energy. Need to know more about this guy. Okay, Fabio Maldonado. Now CB Dalloway. Like now we're starting to get people whose names are recognized. Oh, Jerry just had a fucking calf kick and he's walking around all funny against Dalloway. Oh, knocks him out seconds later. It's all good. It's all gravy, baby. Fucking hell, that was such good fucking crack. What a fucking geezer. That is some of the best fucking technique you will fucking see. Class, definitely going to link you guys into that video so you can watch that with me. Um, Where am I? Maybe watch other fighters that have snuck up on me. Yeah, but I'm stoned now and I can't think who else has snuck up on me that I haven't seen. Um... Maybe next week we'll go back and watch over some Peter Yan highlights because I want to know how that cunt got to be champion by beating Uriah Faber. So um, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, let's go. All right, you're very welcome back to Punkadelic Podcast. Uh, so hold up here a second. Scientists reckon and were able to write a paper on there being mushrooms growing on Mars from photos. That seems like it might have been jumping the gun a bit, but I'm happy that the head <laughs> I'm happy that the headline got out there. I just like read that article in a fucking trance. Like that's actually so fucking crazy. Now, let's have a fucking look here at what's going on this weekend in the UFC. So <sighs> this is supposed to be our Sandhagen versus Dillashaw, which was Obviously fucking cancelled when that fucking balloon got his fucking eyebrow chopped up again. Probably going too fucking hard in training. And letting every fucking conspiracy theory fucking snake fucking handler on the internet be like. Oh he's fucking on a fucking cycle of juice and he probably did that to himself. So choose to believe whatever you want to believe. But that fight was a really 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 cruelly taken from us. The MMA gods took Sanhagen Dillashaw from us. Then they took fucking Cerrone 
Diego Sanchez office. They've also taken fucking Darren Till, Marvin Vittori office, which would have been a cracker, and fucking uh, Yoel Romero, Anthony Rumble, the only good fight Bellator have ever made, and they fucking Bellator it right up, right fucking up. So here we go. Will you hear this for a fucking shit show of what is fucking left over from this fucking uh, for a fight card tomorrow night? Like Marina Rodriguez versus Michelle Waterson. All right. Never even heard of Michelle Marina Rodriguez, excuse me. I mean, I don't know who Michelle Watterson is. I know what she's about. She's about bad striking, clumsy wrestling, and not much else. Um, Cerrone, love the man. Love to watch him rumble. Hopefully he beats the fuck out of this kid. Don't know a whole pile about Morono. Don't think the USC are showing her down a whole lot of respect. Like, this man could, should, could and maybe should... I'm not sure if it's personal choice plays into this, but like at this stage, Cerrone could have two or three more blockbuster sort of old man fights at welterweight, five round headline in the main event, like within fucking you know mainland USA. You're telling me that's not gonna fucking sell out? I'm skeptical. All right, come on. So like, all right, Sanchez is just gone, but like, um, maybe a rematch with Matt Brown. Uh, possibly fight fucking Carlos Condit, who's in a similar sort of career situation. Um, is Clay Guida able to fight at welterweight, or is he just exclusively fight at uh, lightweight? If and I mean, maybe that fight could be made at lightweight as well. I just assume Cerrone wants to just fight at welterweight for the rest of his career because um, lightweight cut was killing him. So. I don't know. I would just love to see a couple of blockbusters from the Cowboy and the UFC actually value. Like someone that's a fucking that's a fucking homegrown star that's a money maker and that's a fan favorite and you know just from a mixed martial arts perspective you know the man throws high kicks he throws fucking fantastic combinations he's got fucking jujitsu he subbed Mike Perry in what like a minute so great fighter to watch game is a fucking badger. Uh, Neil Magny versus Jeff Neil. Okay, so this card has some redeeming features. That's pretty cool. Heavyweight Maurice Green. Don't care. Literally do not care. If I see Marie screen, I'm just I'm instantly like I don't care. Carlos Diego Ferreira versus Gregor Gillespie. That's a fucking great fight. Unfortunately, I have so it's Friday here now. I'm recording this on a Friday for a change. Um, Ferreira missed weight by five pounds, so that's kind of unprofessional. But like shit happens. Far be it for me to judge somebody for being five pounds over what they're supposed to be. Um, I have all the sympathy in the world for people trying to do fucking uh, weight cuts. So um, Gillespie's accepted that he loses, Ferrer loses 30% of his purse because it's such a bad miss. Is that the thing? It's like 20 if it's a certain amount and if it's within a certain amount and 30 if it's like a bad miss. <clears throat> Amanda Hibas versus Angela Hill. That could actually be a really fun fight to be honest. Amanda's all about the ground. Angela's all about striking. So I guess it's just going to be who can impose their will on the fight more. Is there any point looking at the prelims for this? Uh, no, there's not really anything interesting going on there, unfortunately. But fair fucking play to absolutely all of them. Not to sound like a dick or anything here at any stage. And then I thought what we could just do is have a quick look at a quick look at because um, next week's episode will come out on basically the Friday night here, which is Saturday morning for most of you guys at home in Ireland. Um. And then the fights of that night. So maybe just briefly talk about UFC 262 right now. Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler. All right, smart money would have to be on Charles Oliveira. Don't 
discredit Michael Chandler's chances like he fucking knocked out Dan Hooker and fucking God bless him for it um you know God be with you that's fucking cool you did what you did what a lot of people thought you couldn't absolutely could not and would not do so fair play lightweight a uh, co-main event there that night is Tony Ferguson versus Benil Dariush <sighs> just expect elbows and knees in this fight that is all I can say and probably a finish that will come through jiu-jitsu both guys remarkably well-rounded so that's a fabulous fabulous fucking bit of matchmaking the people's main event I dare say because um I'm not sure how well Chucky Olives well I don't know like Chucky can definitely crack um box to a certain degree it's strange it's unorthodox if my memory serves me correctly obviously when you think Oliveira you go a lot to the subs in the ground game so if he gets Chandler down but then is Chandler's wrestling like I don't know does like wrestling mean like can you wrestle off your back or is wrestling the, is the sport like if you're putting your back then that's you get stubbed back up again so I'm not too sure how these two's um game outside of striking is going to match up I think the Charles Oliver has got a great MMA striking game in that it's varied and it's kind of unorthodox and it's integrated obviously with setting up the ground game so maybe I feel like he's better rounded in that case he's also on an was it eight or nine fight win streak in the UFC's lightweight division where Michael Chandler is on a one fight winning streak there previously having been in Bellator so not being a snob or anything just saying expecting Charles Oliveira to come away with the belt there and you know God willing then that will set up the Dustin Poirier fight um, or if indeed it's the Conor McGregor fight then happy fucking days let's see it but I'm just I think both those fights have blockbuster potential at the top of the card there. That's really, really cool. Cracking little tournament there. Um at lightweight. Dariush, I just don't count this I just do not count Dariush out. And obviously we've seen Tony Ferguson the facade crumble a little bit. <sighs> Can you count him out though? I feel like that would be foolish of us. I really, really do. But if he loses three on the bounce, then that's not gonna look great. But going into a fourth fight, whoever they match him up with then I'm probably going to feel like, mm, and maybe we get to see him fight Makachev, which is sort of going to be, you know, it's like diet, Khabib, who knows. So apparently a couple of boys turned down the Makachev fight, which is sort of not cool. You're like, boys, we're in the lightweight division of the UFC here. Can we please be accepting fights and moving things on? But, you know, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, I heard that uh, Felder and Ordier both turned down the Makachev fight. So then I was like, sort of felt better about it. Because like, well, Felder basically said he's a retired commentator. And he'll just sort of step up to the plate every now and then when he feels like it. And uh, Ordier claims to be on another title run, however. And so not wanting to fight Makachev. But then Ordier was absolutely destroyed by QB, wasn't he? So probably still has fucking PTSD from that. Um, yeah, at middleweight on next Saturday's UFC 260 card, Jack Hermanson versus Edmund Shabazian. Uh, Shabazian coming back from his first loss I want to say I'm not sure if he's had a fight since Hermanson got a very smooth ground game a submission artist so um, knockout artist versus submission artist not sure who had favour there I thought that Shabazian was the shit but he lost to someone stupid who's his loss to like Derek Bronson so that's not a great look in the current middleweight division where Adesanya knocked him out in two rounds and uh, I believe Whitaker also holds knockout wins over him. Bronson's been knocked out a bunch. So let's see. Let's fucking see. Women's flyweight, or as I like to call it, a smoke break. 
Caitlin Chukagian versus Vivian Arujo. I never heard of Arujo, but if she's anyway hard, she'll beat Chukagian because Chukagian seems to be a relatively good good at the art of like kickboxing, but just doesn't seem to be like a total killer in any sort of way, like in terms of power or volume. Like she's effective in very, very, very short bursts. Uh, she's better out than me. Okay, again, never want to fucking sound disrespectful to these guys. I'm just trying to give an accurate appraisal of their game. Um, at featherweight, Shane Burgos versus Edson Barboza. Wow, that's an interesting fucking fight. Burgos, I believe, is a pretty good all rounder. Barboza looked fucking fantastic at featherweight, which I think kind of defa- defies logic. Um, but long may it continue, as far as I'm concerned. If that's where he's happy, if he can fucking get fights that are going to be this competitive on paper, then happy days. Let's see how that plays out. Um, prelims, let's see if there's any gold over here. Uh, Jacare Souza versus Andre Muniz. Um, Okay, well, that's basically a no-stakes middleweight fight. Muniz might be trying to fight for a ranking, but Souza sort of probably fighting for a contract at this point. Might be cut. Don't know. Um, Haven't heard of either of these two bantamweights. Lando Venata back at featherweight. Lando Venata has a fucking fabulous wheel kick knockout on his record. Google that if you want to see a fucking class bit of technique women's flyweight andrea lee who i have at least heard of versus the shevchenko sister that's not valentina on the early prelims any gold down here no not really um nah but with those fucking two fights at the top of the main card how can this not have your attention and this was also supposed to have the nate diaz versus leona edwards five rounder which got moved to the court after that um sorry the the pay-per-view after that because apparently Diaz had a fucking boo-boo so whatever pretty much think that Edward's just gonna fucking steamroll him anyway so you know let's see let's fucking see as with all these fights let's just fucking see there's no point trying to predict this fucking dumbass sport like there's absolutely none so I don't really know anything about uh the sweet science of boxing but there is a big boxing fight on tomorrow night. It is Canelo versus Billy Joe Saunders. And I believe I know of Billy Joe Saunders through reputation as being a bit of a fucking wild man. Through hanging out with Tyson Fury and people saying that he's got as good a chance as anybody has to be Canelo. But Canelo just seems like an unstoppable force at the moment. So, um, you know, I'm going to try and watch that one live and, and get in and see that. Um, imagine if fucking Billy Joe Saunders beat him. That would be incredible. And the Gypsy King would be out there fucking shouting about that too. And then I'm just thinking as well, like, doesn't fucking Tyson still need a fight? Um, The Fury, or, sorry, he is fucking Fury, Tyson Fury. The Anthony Joshua fight, excuse me, is insane on the dotted line and, like, looks further away than ever. Um, Or looks a little further away after this week. There was some fucking bullshit going on. But anyway, I love this fucking quote here from um Tyson Fury about Anthony Joshua. He says, he's a businessman and I'm a fucking Spartan. I don't care about money, fame. Glory, belts, being undisputed or remembered. I care about knocking motherfuckers out. <laughs> I, uh, holy fuck, I didn't know I could do a Gypsy King, but there we go. As shy as that may have been, I honestly didn't even know it was coming. So there you go. Apparently he said that on No Passion, No Point podcast. So he's a businessman and I'm a fucking Spartan. So. I don't know so maybe that somebody knows about boxing wants to join a discord server and get writing in there and let me know about what's going on show me some fucking Billy Joe Saunders highlights tell me what I need to be watching what I need to be looking out for when this fight kicks off tomorrow night Um, 
So listen, man, fucking uh, <laughs> stock porn. <laughs> Just like fucking stock porn where like girls are stuck in things and oh no, I'm fucking doing my laundry and I fucking bent over too far trying to get into the tumble dryer and now I'm stuck. And then, oh, who's there? Is that my stepbrother? And then you can probably work it out where it fucking goes from there. But like, I was just thinking about this. I was like thinking about like how, like stock porn is just inherently funny. Like there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. Like it's fucking hilarious that people will be into this. So I was trying to like look into it and see was there any way that I could make it funny like, or bring it to the podcast like because otherwise it's just like porn but like maybe bringing somebody else's opinion on it might have helped but I wasn't getting anywhere. I was like how the fuck are people not writing about stock porn like there's a full fuck oh there actually was one fucking girl going fucking mad about it but then she said she was like it was like oh it wasn't like rape porn it was like implied non-consensual and I was like oh Jesus Christ there's fucking this is a fucking minefield like I better not get into that on a podcast so um but she came to the conclusion then it was just too fucking silly because by the very end of any one of these clips it was clearly obvious that the girl did consent to it even in the when in the majority of the cases it was a step sibling doing the fucking plan so um so 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 fucking stupid and then I thought there would have been more think pieces on it though like I thought that more people would have been going mad about this like and just because people be going mad about stuff like there's always somebody going mad about everything so I don't know maybe I didn't do my research thoroughly enough maybe um maybe the comments underneath some stock porn might have been the way to go but either way I wound up fucking fighting this fucking site and it's like a fucking paid porno site you have to sign up and they're like all about like production value and the website looks fucking lit and they're like trying to get me to sign up every single second that i'm on it here the whole nine yards like but so whatever i'm, a, I'm only fucking human i was looking at one of their videos right but like as i say this is all very very shiny there's a lot of fucking no no please don't fucking send me uh, notifications on my woman's computer puretaboo.com <laughs> um so yeah it's a high fucking production value everything a lot of things going on here and uh pretentious sort of fucking porn we're talking about like so here's one here it's called amnesiac and what fucking gets me about this website is the fucking descriptions that they write like it is some poor cunt's job to write these descriptions right this is a I'll, ha- I'll simply have to read it all i'm already dreading it like i can feel a strain on my voice already like but it's just out of control how they fucking describe these trying to get you to sign up and buy it like scene opens from the pov of james his eyes are closed so the screen is black suddenly in reaction to the jarring sounds of a car crash his eyes snap open we hear him trying to catch his breath as he looks around registering his surroundings as his vision sharpens He then notices Anne, who sits at his bedside tending to him. She has a kindly look about her. He has amnesia and she informs him that she is his wife, pledging to take care of him until his memory returns. Days later, James still remembers nothing and Annie seems intent on keeping him bedridden. It is revealed that Annie discovered James on the road after he had been involved in a hit and run on one of his evening walks. Rather than take him to the hospital, Anne took him home to nurse him back to health. Later that day after Anne leaves for work, James tries to use the internet but discovers it is not working. He sits back in his chair, puzzled. Something catches his eye 
a photo of himself and Annie on the mantle nearby. They smile and look like the perfect happy couple. As he looks at it, his brow furrows quizzically. It's as if there is something off about the photo, but he can't quite put his finger on it. But before he can investigate further, Annie unlocks the front door and enters. Annie explains that the internet hasn't worked for a long period of time, normal for the isolated rural area they live in. Before his accident, she had been bugging him to call the internet provider about it, but she doesn't want to bother him with this stuff now, insisting that she will call the internet company as soon as she can. She kisses him and leaves the room to get dinner started. He smiles after her, but a small glint of suspicion is in his eyes. Later that night, James finds a suspicious receipt. He asks Annie about the receipt, which is for their wedding rings and is only two weeks old, although they've been married for ten years. She explains that they could never afford nice rings and a few weeks ago he surprised them with brand new ones. James seems to believe her, but a growing seed of doubt has been planted. Sometime later, James looks closely at a... Like, this is still fucking going, Trippers. Are you still with me here on this? Like, this is bananas, right? This should be, like, fucking... Should literally be, like, three words. It should just be, like, fucking... Kissing doggy anal out. Like, that's just... Just, like, if you want to let us know what goes on in it, like, just, like, fucking put it into very, very base terms. This is fucking mental. This is, like, a fucking Tom Clancy novel here. This is fucking Tom Clancy's fucking... Crouching tiger, hidden rapist. This is fucking out of control. Like crouching kidnapper, hidden fucking raper. Um, blah blah. Let me see. Where the fuck are we? Uh, she explains they could never afford nice rings, and a few weeks ago he surprised them with brand new ones. James seems to believe her, but a growing seed of doubt has been planted. Like that's an like. <laughs> That's crazy motivation to be given these characters. Sometime later, James looked closely at a photo of him and Annie. It is clear the photo has been altered in some way. Uh-oh. James confronts Annie about the photo. She claims that there is something wrong with their printer that makes photos print out with errors. So this is all supposed to lead to writing. Like, like this is like a Black Mirror episode. He accepts her explanation, but his suspicion is growing. Well, that is not what I expected to hear about growing in this story. I'm not going to lie to you. The next day, as James searches for something incriminating, his memory suddenly comes flooding back. Clear-headed for the first time in a long time, James confronts Annie, angrily telling her that he remembers everything. James now knows exactly what Annie's been hiding from him, and he's going to make sure that she never forgets the price of deceiving him. Categories. Big tits, natural tits, titty fuck, face fucking, 4K. So, you know, God love all these... God love everybody involved, but especially the man that had to write that, like, and I just... Sort of raises more questions than answers, doesn't it? I wonder... Let's see. Let's see. How long is this show? Because, like, that's a lot of story to get in. The trailer's a minute 20. There's no sound on this computer anymore since it got fucking dropped. So, sorry. Homeboy looks like fucking Mark Ruffalo, to be honest. Yeah, this is just entirely too much storyline. This is like the Assassin's Creed of pornos. It's like, it's in the future, but you're actually in the past. But you are in the future, but um, the genetic coding of your fucking memory allows us to see through fucking time through this fucking computer simulation. And you're just like, what? Just slap something together with an ancient guild of thieves and just that double D will be happy. Don't even worry about it. Throw in a few busty fucking prostitutes that you can go and visit in down at the rum shack, like in the pirate one. And I'll be as happy as fucking Larry. Great game. 10 out of 10 I'll say. Jesus Christ, now there's blood all over the bed here in this fucking porno trailer. This bird is fucking weird looking too. There's been some fucking dodgy plastic surgery going on here. 
in, on the face. On the face. They look natural. They look natural as. Sovereign Sire. Would have no clue if that was the girl or the boy's name now that I think about it. Very progressive site. Could, could go either way. What what even is gender? You know, what the fuck is the gender? I'm certainly not going to wait into that debate on here. Um, So there you go. Stock porn, if you never heard of it. It's out there. Fucking girls getting caught up in coffee tables. All sorts of shit. Fucking laugh. Go and have a fucking look. It is out there. Alright, so... I said we were going to fucking talk about one of the albums of the fucking year on the podcast here today. So I've got notes the, that will probably take us take us about 10 minutes to get through here um, on this album. Wanted to get them wanted to get them written down so there's a bit of structure to what we're talking about here. Yeah, bottom line is it's a cracker, but let's break it down in significantly more detail. This is the Punkadelic review of While She Sleeps, Sleeps Society. All right, so what's up, everybody? Um... We're going to break this fucking album down. If you don't know who While She Sleeps are, they are my basically my favourite metalcore band. Um, meaning that their sound draws from elements of both metal and both hardcore punk. So it's a heady mixture of riffs and screaming. And uh, they've just been on an amazing career trajectory. Like They've just gotten significantly better or added more significantly better and added more strings to their bow with each of their three last albums basically being a quantum leap forward each time their development has been awesome to watch as a fan and um they're just one of the uh one of the cleverest and boldest bravest bands out there doing stuff in metal at the minute and they are gunning for arenas now with this album they are coming from the for the very very top of that shit heap that was formerly formerly occupied by lincoln park but then formerly occupied also by bring me the horizon that band with enough heaviness to keep it interesting but like also electronics and um different elements and uh so I just wanted to sort of bring you into this gently. If you don't know who While She Sleeps are, <clears throat> we'll go through their chronology a little bit here. So uh, in the pre-URWE years, there was two albums. Um, I think one's called This Is The Six and the other is called, I don't know, I'm sorry. And uh, At this stage, they were just like a complete hype machine. The uh, UK press were just talking about them everywhere but it was like you never heard a song of theirs on the radio or anything and they were, they were like still very very small an underground sort of English thing that didn't really ma- make it outside yet so um, there was a lot a lot of noise about them so it was like right well who the fuck are these guys what have they got going on and their album's kind of like <clears throat> I think it was that album this is the six I was like okay well this is maybe just kind of a bit standard metalcore there's nothing really too much to sink your teeth into here at all there's one song on here called Four Walls, which I think would be absolutely huge live at festivals. And I think that's awesome. And I had a huge gang chant at the start. And there's the chorus, um, which I just thought was custom fucking built for to be played at like Reading and Leeds festivals. And just really, really good. And I was like, fuck, there's a lot, a lot of potential here. <clears throat> so enter then their third album, You Are We. And what we have here then is a slowdown in terms of the tempo um, and the introduction of very, very serious dynamics, quiet versus loud parts. Um, that is the pronounced feature of their sound now um, since album three. So we've got 
where it was previously all furious metalcore all the time. Now we also have um, quiet parts with clean vocals, uh, guitars playing clean lead lines with very, very soaring melodies in the chorus. Um, and then on this album, we're also seeing a refinement of the metal sound and a uh, development of what I call the While She Sleeps Crunch, which is like these guitar climb downs, so like ascending and descending quickly um, during and after, during and usually in breakdowns, um, just crunching all over the place. Great, great production as ever. I believe this was the start, if not the start, if not this one, then it was the next album when they started producing themselves, which is also incredible when you think about it as well. Um, also on You Are We, Hurricane has one of the hugest choruses you will ever hear. Um, and I just, you know, if there was going to be ever a dictionary definition of what punkadelic music is, it's probably the marriage of huge, huge, huge riffs, whether that's in terms of speed or heaviness, you know, because the heaviest riffs are sometimes very slow, so speed isn't necessarily the defining factor. Um, but like serious heaviness and then interspersed with a huge fucking chorus that you can sing along to and remember the words to because I think that that's kind of a good part of how a song gets into your brain so um, crazy huge riffs with big sing-along choruses and then also on this album You Are We While She Sleeps basically perfected breakdowns with Empire of Silence the breakdown is so 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 heavy i don't know if that's drop a tuning or that's an eight string or what the hell it is but it's fucking huge and you need to hear it um the album finishes really 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 strong with a tune called civil isolation but it doesn't let you down anywhere it's got an ollie sykes guest vocal on there um it's all absolutely fabulous really really i think still stands as the very high point of their career um, but not by very much and it's a very very close race between these last three releases and um, so what was a further refinement of their sound and uh, playing with even more textures little electronics and stuff coming in now so the lead single anti-social <clears throat> playing with different um different electronics in the intro and uh, different vibes then also incorporating little percussive breakdowns and fills which was definitely drawn on more of a post-hardcore sound so like bands like let live which if you understand anything about punk from the last fucking 20 years you'll know is a fucking great thing and those that's one of the fucking biggest shames that we lost that band um just a fucking sad one but now their influence is starting to become evident so not so bad this album has even more stuff like if there's one lyric on the so what album where they just go this will be the last time not to see us playing a tent and then a gigantic riff comes in and it's like holy fuck um what a statement of intent what a statement of out of tent should i say but uh unreal and the whole album closes with a tune called gates of paradise that has a cheerleader a cheerleader chant and there's also a, like a pop sample that powers one of the tunes. I mean, it gets all riffy, but like it begins on this pop, this perfect pop fucking sample. I, I don't know what it is, um, but I'm sure you could look it up. But So What was a fucking incredible fucking album. Yet again, it's kind of a knockout that those two albums back to back came in both at such a similar quality. And now we're going to talk about Sleep Society, the new one. Let's get into it. We're going to break it down track by track. And um, at least one of them here, I'm going to do a live listen along. And um, I'll make sure that you know when I'm pressing play so that you can do a listen along with me and understand what the fuck it is that I am talking about. Because um, my favorite song on this album is so incredible. And 
quick thoughts about the whole album i think they've basically done it again i think they've incorporated even more textures including some that like are not super my scene but i'm going to give credit absolutely where credit is due and i've got like I'd say I've got probably, in terms of notes here, I've probably got a, a, an, on average at least 100 words per track because there's something to talk about in every single one of them and it's a production masterpiece and we'll talk about all my overall thoughts at the very end but let's crack into talking it uh, talking it down, <laughs> breaking it down tune by tune um, with track number one, Enlightenment. So it kicks off with, I think, horns in the intro, kind of like electronically filtered and stuff but like that's a new one even for these guys um, and then comes in with the melody looping around kind of atonal riffage in the background gang vocals bring us straight into this album and set the tone for what's going on um, I'll repeat it a bunch of times throughout this I'm sure but while she sleeps just write lyrics that are designed to be screamed back at them so it's like everything every think of every single SEDC chorus you know it's like it's just designed to be fucking shouted back at them by a whole bunch of fucking drunk people that don't necessarily know how to sing. And that's the fucking point. So, um, gang vocals bring us in. Massive, massive, uh, huge alt-rock chorus on this on this tune. Um, his voice is just fucking so superb. And we'll talk about it again and again um, throughout this. But what we first hear, we first hear it with fucking screamo gang vocals, but by the chorus he's already laid out his stall that this is the strongest heavy vocals and the strongest clean vocals that he's ever done so off to a fucking cracking start the riffage on this tune is huge and it's all in drop c which is a lower tune than i've ever played in before maybe once or twice i'm not sure but like it's more pronounced and pushed so beautifully in the mix and the production that it just it slaps um the riff heading the riffing heading into the first breakdown is absolutely awesome there are huge new metal vibes um all over this album they start early um at one point i think in enlightenment we get really the heaviest riff on the record um, i know there people will dispute that because especially there are some drop a riffs later on but in terms of the context of the song and just the way it comes on i think it, uh, it, it the heaviest riff is in the middle of enlightenment um but then we get a percussion and electronics break and then the vocals build back up then melody guitar and wah guitar come in and they continue underneath really really driving drums and stacked vocals and gang vocals to take the track out so I'll be making comments like that about the track structure as we go because these guys have thrown the fucking rulebook out with this album. Everything's all over the shop. Um, there's breakdowns at the start of songs. It's it's they're just doing whatever they want. This is as I said the word brave about them earlier on. They've been doing what the fuck they want with this record and the song arrangements fucking shows that. So that's enlightenment. You Are All You Need, then, is the next song on the record. Uh, it's the most uh, You Are We sounding song. So their, uh, so their third album, You Are We, this is the song that sounds like it would fit on there the most naturally. Great, great, great examples of the While She Sleeps crunch. Um, so those climb downs on guitar um, in this song. Um, drummer has some great moments early on in this song. Double kicks before the first chorus are absolutely sublime. This just also another song that's designed to absolutely go off live and have its vocals fucking scream back at them. More gang vocals in this song. Um, it's just like the skeleton key to mosh pits. This is going to get people fucking moving. If, of course, they can even tour this. I don't know what the fucking deal is. Um, I don't know if there was ever going to be any chance that I'd see them in Vancouver. But uh, with the way COVID's going, it doesn't look like it's going to be this year. But maybe next year. Who the fuck knows? 
Um, very interesting quiet parts in this uh, tune as well. Electronics pushed to the fore as with other parts of this album. Um, and the last minute of You Are All You Need is just a great, great time. Um, it still breaks right down to like a millisecond of silence at one point within that. So this is just this banner all about dynamics and keeping it varied and slowing the pace, bringing the pace back up, doing interesting dynamics, having different guitar tones, clean tones versus heavy tones, mixing little bits of screams in underneath the clean vocals so you get kind of everything at once but very, very subtly produced together and um, just a really good cracking band and um, interesting heavy parts in you are all you need or quiet parts and the last minute, as I say, is just a great time but it breaks down to the silence um, within this minute and it's not super down-tuned or not super down tuned or if it is down tuned it's not down tuned very heavily it's maybe down to d but it's not like c or a um but still very 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 heavy for that last minute very good time so um you know just showing you they're mixing it up with the different tunings and just painting with all different colors of the palette really so now we get the systematic by some distance my favorite song on this record and it's not even three minutes fucking long in drop a tuning absolutely sensational um electronics are doing significant heavy lifting in here the guitars are tuned right down to drop a so they're almost more felt than heard okay and you'll just have to listen to it to understand what i'm talking about so the chorus riff in this tune has two bends on the low strings of guitars that are tuned down to a so that is absolute filth that is what i am fucking talking about that's exactly the same technique that made the riff in psycho by muse so fun and addictive and uh, to have something like that transposed down into drop a is just absolute fucking filth and i wish that i had fucking come up with it um it's so so dirty and um what i was going to do here now is i'm going to fucking get it up on spotify and we're going to have a listen along and we're just going to talk about how fucking crazy it is so this is Systematic, this is track 3 on While She Sleeps, Sleep Society album. If you want to get that queued up on Spotify, you can hit pause now. And then I am going to go in in 3, 2, 1. Make sure it's turned up full. Electronic samples to bring us in. Dirty squelching synths that sound kind of like 90s The Prodigy to my ears whispered vocals still lo-fi big bass booms siren in the background so much going on here now the break those riffs are filth screaming vocals love it intense this tune did not come to fuck around now Pure new metal vibes off this tune. Fast-paced vocals. Love that choppy riffing. It's a great lyric. Life is just a gateway drug. Now, big chorus. Oh, there's those bands. Dirty. Pure gang vocals. Designed to be yelled at them. Steaming. Rifts back to the fore. Electronics coming back in a strong way. Love that synth line. Here we go again. Big chorus. 
you telling me you don't want to be in a fucking mosh pit while this tune is on? Are you joking me? Here we go. It starts to break down. Awesome. That synth is, synth is lit. All these sound effects. So much going on in your headphones. So tense before this fucking riff kicks back off. Here we go. And then this new bit of synth is just... Exactly what that needed. At that pace. Gnarly. That's going to be mental live. And so strong here. Just low, dirty, drop a gnarly riffing. Then the thrashy bit again before the end. Pure throat shredding, screaming. And then I even love this little lo-fi bit where you just get to hear the riff again, but without everything else going on. Absolutely fucking love it. And then... Then we get to another fucking stellar track from this album. Possibly, quite possibly, the centerpiece of the album. I'm not really sure how they... Um, I'm not really sure how they envision this. I'm not inside their heads or anything. But Nervous, like, comes right at you with a piano intro that slows everything down after the craziness of Systematic. And I really do encourage you to go back and do hear that. Do the listen along with me so you know what I'm talking about. It is just bonkers really really well put together um but then next we everything slows right down and we get a piano intro that has really really gorgeous reverse reverb swells which is just like beautiful effect that just makes it sound dope in your headphones big 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 guitars for the intro and then again at the chorus but in our first verse we're just getting drums and piano and vocals and it's just a showcase for how good Laws's vocals really are um simon neil's oh so excuse me so the second verse then things are getting a little bit busier we've got some delayed chords in the background and it's just like constantly building up and up and up and like building up things up just seems to be a theme on this album things um like within the production of tunes as well and um, we'll, i'll be pointing that out in the future as well um so then uh, once Simon Neal shows up, he has one line and then there's a chorus and then we start to get into the breakdown of this tune, which is when things get really interesting as ever with Let Lives or with, excuse me, While She Sleeps is music. So we've got the Let Live style drum fills showing up here again. So those were sort of present on Antisocial on the last record. So it's kind of like a little bit of more, it sounds like bongos rather than like fucking metal percussion. So just eases up on the metal for a minute, lets you, lets you fucking breathe for a second and uh, then it lets the duet between um, Laws Taylor and Simon Neal who's the frontman for Biffy Clyro really really breathe and it builds right back up for the really 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 big the, the woe-o's that they have in the song there so all of that shit is going to be absolutely built that's just built to destroy festivals like there'll be thousands of people singing along with that um, and that would be perfectly placed at the end of a set this tune um, and it's just a great guest spot because it's just used to accentuate the tune it doesn't take the focus away from the band um, he's not overused and I don't think he's underutilised as well I think he makes a big impact um, and it fades back out on those uh, beautiful p piano chords so it's just so 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 well arranged it's um, just a top notch song for any genre and um, to have those four tunes back to back kicking the fucking doors open on your record is just that's fucking madness I can't remember a fucking four song punch like that off the top of my head that is just whew, that is apex level shit 
So then we get to a track which is called PYAI, which I don't know what it stands for, but it's just like a kind of a soothing balm after how crazy arena alt rock nervous gets. And um, it's just like two minutes of fading about on that. So I imagine it works on vinyl. So having those four tracks and then a little breather um, on one side and then coming right back in then with Know Your Worth, which kicks the pace back up in a really, really big way, um, has a breakdown super early into the song. So that's kind of cool structure for the entire album on vinyl. So I'm done. that's why I'm okay with PYAI. Don't have a major problem with it. It's not my favorite fucking track by them ever, but um, it is what it is. Um, the rest of the album is so good that you can excuse this and the end track. And, you know, we'll get to like this. It's I don't think this is by any means their most perfect album, but we'll get to that when we get to our overall thoughts but know your worth is massive picks the pace back up it's for the start of side b in a big big way breakdown very early in the song proper screaming vocals laws is on 11 big 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 chorus all over again they are really looking to take out bring me the horizon with this one they are ready to move into arenas um everybody lies to make the silence feel all right i was like holy fuck that is a hell of a fucking lyric right now right there um busy busy drums in this tune really really fun whenever their drummer gets going and just starts having fucking fills all over the place um the while she sleeps stomp is in place here so if you sort of think about um it's a quality to slipknot's music at times it was present in marilyn manson music at times it was just like a fucking like a sort of a mid-paced stomp where they could stomp around the stage and so when you couple that with some of the, the what i also call the while she sleeps crunch which are those guitar climb downs and all but it's well well executed here on know your worth um this is classic while she sleeps um and then when you expect it to break huge all over again in the middle it doesn't it goes low key and lets electronics and these delayed chiming guitars take over i mean of course it gets heavy again before the end but it takes like a sweet time to get there and it's just there's that assuredness that confidence that this band do not give a fuck what it is that you want what you are will be getting is what they want you to get and that's it absolutely no more and absolutely no less and then it ends on the chorus that is slightly less screamed than previously so a little bit cleaner in terms of the vocals so the there are dynamics to laws his voice like all over the fucking shop so he does clean really well but he also does like heavy and screaming really well but how he varies it up within each of those as well and like there are levels to his heavy and scream vocals so it keeps things just keeps things interesting at all times um you know and just you know he's a fucking great great vocalist in that way um, then with no defeat for the brave track seven on the album this is shameless Lincoln park worship um there is a gigantic riff towards the end not necessarily down tune but very very bouncy um the set opener potential is huge here i if i was them this is what i would be doing um opening with no defeat for the brave and then going straight into systematic and then maybe following up with something very 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 slow just to give people a breather after that fucking craziness and um, but yeah there's a huge rift towards the end of this i think it should be their set opener derek from some 41 slays it on guest clean vocals busy drums are back in action here there's a really really huge breakdown riff with a massive scream from laws after it as well possibly his vocal highlight of the album um and then that all breaks into a clean lead line and then there's a wah guitar driven micro solo it's kind of the shreddiest moment on the album and then there are fucking loads of hey hey's and whoa ohs from like classic fucking pop punk days 
in the background so it's like oh that's fucking kind of a cool tribute to like where Derek Wibley comes from and Pop Punk and Sum 41 and um, then they just duet as the song comes out and it's the laws moving between clean and heavy here like you know like Chester Bennington and um, yeah that one's gonna fucking wreck fucking live as well that's gonna wreck house live I wanna be able to go and see this fucking band like I'm not of the age that I'll be definitely going to get involved in the mosh pit but I would like to be standing on the edge of it stones and scared and just like letting that tension really really add to the experience not letting it get me down like so fuck sake I can't wait to go to a live fucking shows where you can fucking bang your head good fucking god Next up is Division Street, which is essentially the three singers in the band. So it's not just Laws on vocals, also one of the guitarists, and then I believe it's the drummer, could be mistaken, um, are all fantastic singers. So um, they're all duetting together, harmonising, coming together around a circular piano riff, and it gets bigger and bigger in sound in terms of its production as it progresses. It won't be your favourite song on the album, it's certainly not mine, but it's kind of another amazing showcase of the vocal prowess going on in the band if you're into that sort of thing um, but then just the confidence that it shows to slow down a hard rock and metal album like this which is an anticipated release i assume i don't read the hard rock and metal um press anymore but like is anybody doing anything as interesting as while she sleeps so i just assume that they must be talking about it although i would also not be surprised if they're not getting their fucking dues either because they do everything diy and they don't sign up the record labels and shit so whatever but um again yeah to slow everything down and just have a harmonized singing fucking excursion for three minutes around a piano is a bold choice but then the dynamic payoff is immediately followed up with sleep society which is one of the heaviest tracks on the album um it's absolutely all go from the jump it's got a dirty dirty 90s breakbeat sound and synth to take us in and that's it's got like filtered and uh sequenced artificial bass going on there disjointed drum loops all and then that all gets interrupted the intro and then he just yells sleep society and there's just massive atonal riffing so like could the opening riff in this tune be more interesting yeah absolutely but is there really any need for that right now at this moment of the album when we've just been soothed with a nice piano tune not really things get infinitely more interesting in the verses anyway the bridge is super new metal weirdo guitars and electronics fast-paced vocals giving away the big big more straightforward riffing um great lyric in here if you can't step up step out of the way um it says also on spotify it features sleep society so i'm assuming maybe that was like a patreon thing where they had all their fans down to their studio to do a fan choir not sure could somebody please confirm that for me or not and um like i could honestly have done with this song being like twice as long and some of those riffs to develop and the more crunchy climb downs but i don't think that this is intended to be the thinkiest part of the album right now anyway um call of the void then starts out very much like a song that i don't necessarily want to hear very 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 clean very poppy produced vocals more very clean piano but then breaks into big alt rock again big giant long drum roll in the middle of this tune then leads into just huge arena alt rock on the last album it was this will be the last time you'll play you'll see us play in a tent but um this might be the last time you see them play in theaters and this is them just like making a big big jump for arenas and um i hope they get to make the jump and songs like this get to be aired out in the giant spaces that they're designed to be played in and then the last track on the album the end is just a very very bold choice all round it's literally just very low-key depressing piano and um 
they all just come on in like confessionals and explain how grateful they are that they get to make music for a living so me i'm stupid i want more riffs but i can acknowledge it's a very 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 bold choice so hats off to them uh so overall thoughts just another totally assured collection of songs from a band unafraid to try anything it seems so superb maybe not the quantum leap forward for metal that i thought the previous two albums were but certainly a huge claim to the throne of alt metal has just been announced um the emo slash soft alt rock with enough heaviness to keep things interesting that was occupied by lincoln park and later bring me the horizon crown has a new wearer I'm raging I won't be seeing these songs live. These lyrics are designed to be fucking yelled back at them. Um, I'm not mad at all at their shift away from political lyrics towards personal lyrics, dealing with depression and whatever else, um, to make it's okay to not be okay a gigantic metal moment. That's one of the lyrics in Enlightenment, so that's pretty sweet. Um, the production of this album is second to none. Literally absolutely perfect. Everything is so well balanced out and there's so much going on. It's so manic at times. It's mental that they don't use like a shit hot Uber producer. Their producer is just like a mate of theirs that's been with them from day one, I believe. Um, and like all of the effects are so perfect. All the reverbs on the guitars. The mixing must have been a nightmare. The reverby parts and the delays for the guitars in the background in some places. Around the pianos, the screaming, the layers to the vocals. The, how it's whispering sometimes. This album has it all and you always hear the most important parts and it's just like and they're so clean and just it must have been a nightmare it must have taken about two weeks to write and record this and then the rest of the time to produce it it is bonkers hats off to the guys that mixed it um i think there's a little bit of like the prodigy and 90s breakbeat influence and some of the electronics the squelchy synth sounds most definitely if that's if that is something that you want to hear um get in and check that out and uh, the fact that they've got three singers and just absolutely weaponized on this album overlapping vocals everywhere keeping things busy just always always giving you a lot to think about at any one time this band so yeah that is uh like a really really strong i want to say like a 9 out of 10, maybe an 8 or a 9 out of 10, maybe 8.5 is fair because I would love if um, it was had two more heavy tunes on it instead of that, instead of the last tune and the tune in the middle, that's just a break. But overall, I still really, really like how the album is balanced out. Those tunes don't exactly ruin it for me. It's just like it sort of forced me to go back over and listen to the heavy tunes again and again. It's like, okay, so there's enough to, really, really enough within like, the opening four tracks just to dig into it and make this one of the metal releases of the year no matter what's going on and then there's so much going on in the back half also um but the opening four songs as a back-to-back punch is just whew, that is really 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 stellar work they have done it again and you should really check it out but that's it i'm not going to talk about the not going to talk about that anymore um I briefly checked out the start, like maybe the first four tracks on the new Royal Blood album the other day also, and it sounded wicked. Um, they sound like they've got a little bit of disco vibe going on now, a little bit more, maybe female backing singers in there as well. So um, I think they were always destined to like add a couple of different elements in just to change their sound up because I don't think there was anything wrong with our second album. I can't quite recall right now, but like it just didn't have the magic of the first one. It didn't have a little monster that hooked your attention and then brought you in and then it was like throwing figure it out at you and like, oh, these guys have got something to say but um typhoon seems to be 
them doing interesting things again um, I believe there's a new Nine Inch Nails song out which is a collaboration with someone else and it's supposed to be heavy as fuck or as heavy a tune as they've released in years maybe that's what I read um, and uh, there is also a brand new trailer out for Rick and Morty season 5 so get that checked out if you haven't seen that already guys uh, my, I can hear my fucking voice starting to go on all here and um, it's creeping up the time on Friday where I normally start editing this podcast so I was just feeling lazy last night I was having a good one I was fucking eating all the fucking carbs in the world and being lazy can't so um, no walloper watch this week we're gonna fucking I'm gonna love yous and leave yous I'll be back next week I have no idea I never have a clue in advance what the fuck next week's is going to be about maybe I'll finally do that episode about my favourite books that I've been threatening to do maybe the fights will be so good on Saturday night that we simply have to stop and break those down um, maybe it'll be me posting a what I'm thinking maybe a test drive in the live streaming at some point this weekend and just reading out a scary story reading out some HP Lovecraft but then obviously recording that and then posting that as an episode 2 to the regular stream so uh, maybe that'll get done maybe not please do join our discord as well just message me anyway you know how or if you don't know me personally go to at punkadelic podcast on instagram or email at punkadelic podcast or email excuse me punkadelic podcast at gmail.com and I will get you an invite link and or I believe I can also put the invite like in the episode bio. So yeah, I'll do that also. So that's actually probably the easiest way to be honest. So um, that is pretty much it. Um, hope you all have fucking brutal weeks and all get hit by buses and die. Peace, love, punkadelic. <laughs>